This year, we actually began uh, with a theme, being men and women of the Word, of God's Word. So the year 2023, uh, as a church, we, we read through the New Testament, and I think it was uh, just very encouraging to hear uh, people share about that. Uh, for some, this was their first time actually making it through the New Testament. And, uh, you know, we hear... Uh, Jesus, uh, when he was tempted uh, into wilderness, uh, tempted in, in Matthew 4, his response, if you recall, he's quoting Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And every word includes the Bible cover to cover, Old Testament. And so uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end. So this morning I wanted to um, take this time to address the, the notion of delighting in God's Word. Again, as we've wrapped up this year, and, and hopefully that's, for some, you know, it was the first time uh, reading through the New Testament, and I really hope it wasn't the last time. I hope this is something that's just continual. As we talk about the word uh, delight and delighting in God's Word, uh, I just want to give you a heads up that I'm just going to interchange that word as the Bible does, um, with words like uh, cherish, right? to treasure, to rejoice in. The Bible tells us in Psalms, uh, Psalm 37, 4, to delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. There's a commentator, an author, he's long um, gone home to glory, but James Boyce, he said that the reason that many apparent Christians, apparent, the ones who seem like they're Christians, professing at least with their words, that they do not delight in God is that they do not know Him very well. And the reason they do not know Him very well is that they do not spend time with Him. You see, the promise attached to this verse is that if we delight in God, if that's our heart's desire, well, then God will give us the desires of our heart. So that verse, Psalm 37, 4, it doesn't mean that God will give you any foolish thing that you would ask for. But it does mean that if we are delighting in God and longing for God, God will give us himself. Guys, if you long for nearness to God, if you long for intimacy with the Lord, if you yearn for fullness and joy with the living God and His Son, Jesus Christ, God will fulfill that desire. God will grant you what your heart desires. Just note, here's a warning. Guys, we cannot ask for nearness to God while also staying content with the superficial, the temporal, shallow, materialistic things of this world. can't ask for nearness to God while our heart is, in reality, fixated on, on those things, the shallow things, the superficial things, the worthless things the Bible calls them. And then turn around and wonder why we've drifted so far from God. Let me make that clear. God's not the one who drifted. God is immovable. God is unchanging. Guys, I've done this to 
all three of uh, our children, I'll get down to the floor and I'll open my arms wide and I'll say, come to Dada. All the while, Mama is sitting right there. Guys, I'm 0 for 3. Okay, each one of my children, they, they, they walk and they have this look on their face. Even the young one, they know exactly what they're doing. They walk right past and dodge my arms. And they go to mama. They know exactly what they're doing. It wasn't an accident. They intentionally walk around just dodging my arms. And as cute as that sounds, guys, Evelyn, oh, I called her out, but it's okay. You, you know who our young one is. Evelyn dodging my arms to get to Carolyn. You know, in that illustration, you know, the analogy represents God's arms. And you and I regularly choose to dodge his arms. And we walk toward this world. We're so tempted, aren't we, to choose the idolatry of pleasure, of man's approval, of self-love, of strength that has nothing to do with our Savior. May I ask you this morning, what is it that you delight in? Where are your desires pointed? At whom or what is your heart aimed at? Guys, what is your chief desire? Guys, I'll call myself out, my teenage self. Back in high school, and you can, there's a friend of mine, you can call him up right now. He, does, he wouldn't even know what you're going to ask. But if you were to ask him right now, we're in our 40s. Right? The beginning of high school for us was like about 30 years ago. If you were to ask him, hey, in high school, what was Andy's number one desire? He, without missing a beat, he would answer, oh, he wanted a girlfriend. That was it. That was his, his chief desire. That's all he wanted. And he would have been completely right. But again, the question, what, what is your greatest desire and delight? What do you rejoice in? Let me ask it another way and then appease the, the grammar police. In whom do you rejoice? I mean, if we ask that question, there's actually a, a necessary follow-up question. Do you rejoice? And if you're not rejoicing, you need to examine your hearts before God and address that question in your hearts. Why do you not rejoice? When the Bible, Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And if that's maybe too abstract, even though it's not, it says rejoice always. Let me just mention uh, one passage from the Old Testament. For time's sake, I'll just read it to you from Habakkuk 3.17. Describing, you know, what do you do? Guys, what do you do when your circumstances are bleak? What do you do when life doesn't go as planned? Let me read for you uh, from Habakkuk 3.17. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. And guys, in an agricultural context, that's death. You can't take care of yourself. You can't feed your children. 
If there's no fruit on the vines, and there's no produce, no fields yielding food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. What does he say in verse 18? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You see, Habakkuk was revealing the the correct heart posture before the living God, before the Savior God, that even though nothing in life goes as planned, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Notice we take joy in the God specifically of my salvation. This is not abstract. Guys, delighting in the Lord is not some vague, occasional, happy feeling. Delighting in the Lord is your response to who God is. And notice, God always is who He is. That never changes. That's why our response to Him is supposed to be constant. Delighting in the Lord is the response to who He is. A great God. The God of righteousness. The God of your salvation. I think some of us, if when you hear the word delight and you hear the word uh, rejoice, if there's, if there's a black hole there and there's something arise, just, yeah, I'm, I'm not there. You need to spend time before God, asking Him, imploring Him. Alongside Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Guys, what happened to that? What happened to the joy of thy salvation? And if you're not living, rejoicing in salvation, I'm going to ask you, because it's not God's fault, I'm going to ask you, where are your eyes fixed on? What is your heart fixated on? All right, let me go through and uh, just give you five kind of descriptions of delighting in God's Word. As we talk about delighting in God Himself, Right, that is inseparable from delighting in God's word. Okay, so number one, delighting in God's word is a joy. If you would turn with me to Jeremiah 6, Jeremiah chapter 6. Okay, you're going to have to flip um, towards the middle of your Bible, but you got to head past Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 10. Delighting in God's Word is joy. And I want you to hear the opposite. Of it. I want you to hear in Jeremiah chapter, it's like when this is absent. Starting from verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. So Jeremiah is calling out his fellow, fellow people whose ears are uncircumcised. The NASB says their ears are closed. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. 
Uh, other translations, they have no delight in it. Can I ask you this morning, does that actually describe the heart posture that you have toward God and His Word? Are your ears closed or are they open? Is the Word of God an object of scorn in your heart? Do you take pleasure? Do you have any delight in God's Word? If it does, you need to pray. And when I say you need to pray, you need to pray right now. Like, seriously, you can stop listening to what I'm saying. You need to spend time in prayer. And then you can even turn to Jeremiah 15. If you're struggling to pray, you can go to Jeremiah 15, 16 and ask God, may this be true of my heart. Jeremiah 15, 16. This is, listen to, to, to how Jeremiah is described and his uh, approach to God's word, Jeremiah 15, 16. And if you're struggling with the word of God, and especially as we get into the Old Testament this year, you need to pray, God, make this my heart. Your words were found, Jeremiah 15, 16, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. That's just so we know, to delight in the word of God is to delight in the God of the word. It's to delight in God himself. Guys, we're not somehow replacing a love for God with a love of God's word. No, the word of God is everything he wants you to know about him. His character, his worthiness of trust, his worthiness of adoration and of glory. God's word is his complete expression his complete revelation to you. And that's, that is his, his written word, which reveals to us his eternal word, his son, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to feed on the word. We need to consume it. We need to ask, ask that his words become to us a joy. Ask that it be the delight of our hearts. I'm going to warn you again in a different way. You just need to know that when you ask God, make your words a joy to me, a delight to my heart. Guys, this will never happen, never, if your heart's operating system is corrupted by a delight in the false gods of this world. Do you understand? I don't understand operating systems, but I just thought that that would be fitting. If your heart is corrupted by a delight in false gods, the false gods of this world, the false gods of quote-unquote happiness, as, as the world would define it, materialism, love for money, shallow approval of man, the, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, the illusions of a physical and financial safety and security. Guys, is that our obsession? Is that the desire of our hearts? Do we truly delight in, I got to have financial and physical safety and security. That's my goal in life. And then turn around and wonder, why am I so far from God? That's why. We are to delight ourselves in the Lord. 
Again, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It is the greatest nourishment that you can have. Actually, it is the real, only real nourishment for your soul. Okay, so number one, delighting in God's Word is a joy. And if it's not, we need to bring that before God. Number two, delighting in God's Word is a fight against sin. It is a fight against sin. Let me ask you the question again in different ways. What is it you delight in? Where are your desires pointed at? Right? At whom is your heart truly aimed at? What do you rejoice in? What is your chief desire? What is your delight in life? Let's go to a familiar psalm, the first psalm. Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Do you notice the contrast there? Do you notice the description of one who is blessed, who does not flirt with sin? The man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Just using today's language, this is the man or the woman who does not flirt with sin. Do you know what I mean by that? If visiting this website leads you to this website, don't flirt with the first one. If dwelling on, oh, I, I really wish I had that. If that leads you to discontentment, bitterness, jealousy, envy, did you, did you just hear that black hole of, in, uh, of ingratitude? I struggle with contentment. That's why. Because we, once you open up that, that can, right, and you start flirting with sin, of course you're not going to desire God and His Word. Of course you're not going to delight in Him and in your relationship with Christ. That's why I, I, I'm sticking with that. I'm going to stick with the internet one because everything's at our fingertips. Whatever it is, whether it's, I got to have that thing. I really want to get all this stuff. I want more stuff. Or when we struggle with intimacy, you go online for whatever version of intimacy, even if that's like social media, if that's where you draw your intimacy, well, you're not growing intimate with God. We need to be, be aware of not flirting with sin. But instead, going back to Psalm verse 2, right? this blessed man, he doesn't flirt with sin, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Delighting in God's word is a fight against sin. Let me just read for you from Psalm 112. Psalm 112 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Comma. He's about to define it and describe it. Who is the man who fears the Lord, who is blessed? Psalm 112.1. Who greatly delights in his commandments. Do you see how the Bible explains itself? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Comma. In our English translations who greatly delights in his commandments. If you're wondering, uh, you know, this fear of the Lord business, 
you, you, you look through the Proverbs. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord, it's hatred of evil. Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord, it's righteous living. Okay, uh, for time's sake, let me just give you the transitive property throughout the Bible. You know, A equals B, B equals C, that means A equals C. Sorry, I gave you a, a triggered nightmares of high school geometry. But to fear God is to love God, and to love God is to obey his commands. Okay? I've just summed up like Deuteronomy and 1 John. It's all together. It's all there. To fear God is to love God, and to love God is to obey his commands. And his ben- commands are not burdensome, right? 1 John. Delighting in the word of God is a fight against sin, and those things go hand in hand. Right? We hear it in... F- in Hebrews 4.12, what is, how is the word of God described? Hebrews 4.12, it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Guys, the word of God reveals and roots out the sin. And it's in this that we can delight if you're a Christian, if you have confessed your sins and you've repented, you've turned away from your sin and you've turned to God, and you trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins, and you submit to Christ and His Lordship, let me, let me tell you how Paul describes the truly repentant as he's addressing this with King Agrippa in, in Acts 26.20, he's saying that they should repent and turn to God. See how the Bible explains itself. Repent, what does that word mean? And turn to God. That's what it means. How? How do you repent and turn to God? Not, not this, that, that, that one-time junior high retreat experience. No. It says performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Okay, you repent and you turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. You continually live a repentant life. You continually confess when we sin, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We continue pursuing holiness. Delighting in God's word is a fight against sin, which is why we hear uh, Paul, in, in Romans 7, he quotes uh, Psalm 40. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O God. O my God, your law is within my heart. You see that? To fight against sin, to delight in God's word. I delight to do your will. Right? The believer says, I don't delight in sin. I hate my sin. I'm sick of my sin. But I delight to do your will, oh, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Delighting in God's word is a fight against sin. J.I. Packer puts it this way, the root cause of our moral flabbiness is that we have neglected God's law. Right? When we're at work, and we start to laugh along with the, those kinds of jokes. We've been, we're, we're neglecting God and his word. When we're okay reacting to certain drivers, 
Nobody else hears it. No one else is in the car. But there's this contentment to, to let anger seethe. That's a, ne- a neglect of God's word, his law, his character. Where most likely, that coworker who's making your life hard, that, that driver who, who drives like that, it's a pretty good chance that person is not saved and is headed for eternal damnation. Delighting in God's word is a joy. It is a fight against sin. And thirdly, delighting in God's word straightens your priorities. Delighting in God's word straightens your priorities. If you would turn with me to Psalm 119, I'm going to just draw quite a bit from Psalm 119. We had been doing that with the, uh, our time in the flocks. Psalm 119, 14. Psalm 119, verse 14. Verse 14, the ESV says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. The NASB says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. Rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Charles Spurgeon, in talking about this verse, as much as in all riches, right? He's pointing out that the psalmist, he compared his intense satisfaction with God's will with that of a man who possesses large and varied estates. Uh, In our Bible translations, it doesn't say who authored it. Some traditions say it's David. Uh, We don't know that for sure. But let's talk about David. David knew the riches that come of sovereignty and which grew out of conquest. He knew, quote unquote, all riches. He's like a modern day Elon Musk. He had it all. And yet, he rejoiced in all sorts of, though he rejoiced in uh, all sorts of riches consecrated and laid up for the noblest of uses. Guys, the way of God's word had given him more pleasure than even these. All the riches of the world and the way of God, the word of God, that was his pleasure. That was his delight. Spurgeon, again, pointed out that whatever riches on this earth are good for, God's testimonies are good for. Uh, I'm not trying to improve on Spurgeon, but I, I would say better. Right? He pointed out riches are desirable as the means for procuring necessaries in life. But God's testimony supplies the necessities of the soul. Riches are desirable as a means of procuring personal enjoyment. Uh, if, I, if I can edit that and add some temporary personal enjoyment. But God's testimonies produce the highest joy for eternity. Riches are desirable as a means of attaining personal improvement. But God's testimonies are the highest educators. They are my counselors. Riches are desirable as a means for doing good, but God's testimonies work the highest good. See, the lighting in God's word straightens out our priorities. And I know I'm focusing just on this one aspect. But I feel like that's, 
very consuming. You know, we, we live in California, and, and I think that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, the economy and the value of a dollar and how can I increase mine? Where do we live? Where do we send our kids? And then we wonder where our priorities went. We need to delight in God's word. Just one more uh, about riches. Just First Timothy 6.17 As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Ours is to delight in the Word of God. Ours is to delight in the God of the Word. Psalm 119, verse 16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And whereas uh, this world, by nature, guys, this world will try to mislead you, taint your thinking, teach you and your children lies. Remember, Psalm 119, 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. It's the word of God that is to instruct our hearts. We need to remember what is to be our priority. What is the priority of the penitent? What is the priority of the sinner saved by grace to be? We know in 1 Peter 2, 2, it is through the word that we are growing into salvation and therein lies the priority, the work of the Spirit of God, taking the Word of God and conforming the children of God. Conforming you into the image of the Son of God, all for the glory of God. That's our priority. Delighting in God's Word straightens your priorities. So again, number one, delighting in God's word is a joy. That is to be our heart's desire. Number two, delighting in God's word is a fight against sin. Number three, delighting in God's word straightens your priorities. And a, a number four is a short one. Delighting in God's word does not depend on emotions. Okay, so a quick word on not feeling it. Not feeling it. Guys, what do you feel right now, physically? Are you sitting still? Are you aware that you're spinning 1,000 miles per hour? Do you feel it? We're moving 1,000 miles per hour. Not to mention that not only are we spinning 1,000 miles per hour, that's happening, and at the same time, we're rotating and orbiting around the sun 67,000 miles per hour. Do you feel it? Uh, right? No. If God allowed us to feel that, we would have disintegrated. That's God's protection for us. He said, should I make a tiny earth? No, it's going to obliterate their molecules. Let me make a bigger earth. Let me make that orbit around the sun. Uh, we'll, we'll call it 365 days, 365 and a quarter or something like that. Guys, we're not always going to feel it. 
Let's hear from Scripture. Psalm 119, big surprise. Psalm 119, verse 69. Psalm 119, verse 69. I want you to notice the contrast between the one who belongs to God and the one who does not, the one who is a child of God and the one who, uh, whose heart is wicked. Psalm 119, verse 69, the insolent smear me with lies, but, contrast, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Verse 70, notice, notice feeling, okay? Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Okay, I just want you to notice, I want to point out that the wicked who sin, whose hearts are not sensitive to God's word, right? Their heart is unfeeling like fat. What does the psalmist do? What is the child of God to do? What is the believer to do? We are to keep God's precepts. This is the one who delights in his word. Okay, and just because just I'm saying, look, uh, our walk with God doesn't depend on our emotions, on our feeling. Please don't mistake that with don't worry if you're not sensitive to sin. Oh, that's a different matter. And that's very important. No, no, no. You and I need to be growing in our sensitivity to sin. If anything, that is the chief marker of you and I growing in grace. Are you growing more sensitive to sin? I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about how your heart reacts when we sin, we are to be growing more sensitive to sin. And if we're not, guys, there's no neutral ground. We're growing hard, right? You either grow or you grow hard. There's no neutral ground. Okay, but when it comes to emotions, yeah, you're not always going to feel it. Right? One thing, I'm just going to make an obvious um, observation. We have plenty of room for it on the stage, but we didn't, we don't throw in the fog machines and the strobe lights during praise to make sure that you feel it. One time I was in a high school ministry, I was the praise leader and uh, the high school pastor said, uh, you know, guys, you know why you feel differently um, at, at retreats up in the mountains? You don't know this, but from the back of the room, we start pumping a certain type of oxygen, and all the kids were like, what? Like, no. It doesn't matter that you feel differently at that retreat site. It has to do with how are you and I walking faithfully. You're not always going to feel it. Again, Psalm 1-2, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Let me just point out, what should be obvious. Guys, you're never accidentally going to do that. You will never accidentally look back at the last two weeks and like, oh, you know, I wasn't even intending it, but I realized I was just meditating day and night. It's never going to happen. You will never accidentally do that. You will only ever intentionally do that. Yeah, the feelings may not be there. That's why God gave us our minds to think, to ponder, to reflect, to meditate on. And even hymns, like the hymn writer says, when I think of God, not when I feel of God. Ooh, I feel it. No, when I think of God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, 
I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. It didn't start with the feeling. Our praise of God doesn't start and is not driven by our feelings. There's a hymn, we don't sing it, but the lyrics have always, I've heard, I heard it quoted. Tis what I know of thee that gives me lips to praise. Okay, guys, I didn't just say, tis what I feel of thee that gives me lips to praise. It's what we know of God. That's why we need to know God and know his word. Think about, reflect on the Lord. Meditate on his word. Meditate on his holiness. Don't let your feelings lead the way. Our spending time with him doesn't depend on emotions. Our relationship with God isn't dependent on your feelings. Our relationship with God is dependent on his faithfulness and dependent on your dependence on him. Are you depending on him? Or are you self-sufficient? Delighting in God's word is a, it's a joy. It's a fight against sin. It straightens our priorities. It doesn't depend on our emotions. And finally, I'm just drawing from Psalm 119 again. Delighting in God's word is knowing God is good and does good. I'll get to it in a moment, Psalm 119.68. God is good and does good. Such a simple verse there in Psalm 119.68. Especially, guys, when circumstances are hard. Especially when circumstances are hard to understand. Guys, when it's hard to understand why God would allow difficult situations. When it's easy to question God and his goodness and his wisdom, especially then. Guys, I, I, I want to say this very clearly. If you're ever in a place to question God, his goodness, and his wisdom, you need to stop. And you need to think about what you just did. As a finite human being who's lived all but what? A few years? before an infinite, almighty God. Jeremiah in Proverbs talks about how God created the universe by his wisdom. And even in the book of Job, guys, were you there? When God created the world and established the foundations of the world? Just know that if ever we're in a position to question God and his goodness and his wisdom, you automatically know who's already in the wrong. It's you and me. You cannot question the infinite, almighty creator God who literally created the laws of physics. We just started discovering them. Created the universe. Remember, 
that God doesn't change. So when things in your life and things in the circumstances of this world are seem bleak, that's why we need to delight in the Word of God and know that you, God, are good and you do good. See how that actually corrects all of our wrong thinking? You are good and you do good. Yeah, but my aunt got cancer. You are good and you do good. Still. Yeah, but my, my baby's got a high fever at home. But you are good and you do good. Yeah, but she was so young. Why'd you have to take her home? She's just 23 years old. God, you are good and you do good. And he leads us, which is why we must delight in him, in his word. I'm just going to mention a handful of verses from Psalm 119 again. Verse 35, lead me in your path of, uh, the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Right? God leads us, verse 35. Verse 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. That's for our good, by the way. Because he is good. He does good. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, your word. For by them you have given me life. Verse 77, your mercy, let your mercy come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Guys, you must delight in God. You must delight in his word. It is the remedy. It is that which God uses to give you life, to give you strength. And then you can say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. Do you see, God, how bleak my circumstances are? My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Being a child of God doesn't mean we don't experience sorrow. But it does mean we have one place to go for strength. My soul melts away for sorrow, verse 28. Strengthen me according to your word. This was a kind of last minute. Uh, I, I was, I'm filling in last minute. So that doesn't mean it's a shorter sermon. It just means I had less time to edit. So I'm just throwing stuff in here, just so you know. And so... Um, yeah, there's no good segue into this. I, I want to ask you <laughs> how Psalm 23 sits in your heart. Where is Psalm 23? Is that something distant? Or is that something that, that, that you've seared into your heart? And if you haven't, do that. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I'm never lacking anything. Do you see how that already corrects 99.9% .9 of our wrong thinking in this life? Right? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got layoffs, another round of layoffs. The Lord is my shepherd. And the Lord takes care of his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Notice all the things he does. 
Okay, when you don't edit, you just start preaching a sermon within the sermon. So I'm just going to list it. Otherwise, I'm going to sit here. We're going to talk about Psalm 23. I'm just going to list it. Look, he's our shepherd. He makes you lie down where there is nourishment. He leads you to where there is water. Right? And sheep only drink from still water, apparently, not rushing waters. That's why it needs to be quiet waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness, not the paths of this world. He's with you to comfort you. He prepares a place for you for eternity. Why? Because he is good and he does good. Guys, going back to the issue of joy, let's be reminded of what Psalm 19 says. Right? The law of the Lord is perfect, verse 7, reviving the soul. Some of us, do we, do we need our souls revived? You bet. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Guys, if you're not walking around with untouchable joy, it's going to ask you how you're doing with respect to Psalm 19.8. Where are the precepts of the Lord? Where is the word of God? Is it outside of you? If that's outside of you, so will the joy of the Lord be outside of you. You will not know that embedded in the very nature of God making you a new creation is an untouchable joy. Delighting in the word is knowing that he is good and does good, especially when things are difficult. Delighting in the word is the appropriate response, guys, in times of trouble. That's why we need to remember, God, you are good and you do good. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. 119.143 If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Do you hear that? If your law, if your word had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. psalmist goes as far as to say in verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. It was actually good that I went through these very difficult circumstances. It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Do you see how God operates? He wants you to grow. He wants you to depend on Him. He wants to make you more like His Son through suffering. For I delight in your I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Guys, delighting in his word means we love him. We are called to love God and love his truth. 1 Corinthians 16, if, no, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Okay? We are to love the Lord. And if somebody has no love for the Lord, that person is accursed. But that has to do with the truth too. Let me just draw very briefly from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, it actually describes, there's a verse that describes the wicked who are perishing. Do you know how it describes them? 2 Thessalonians 2.10? It's because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Did you hear that description of the wicked? They refused to love the truth and so be saved. To love the truth is to love the author of that truth. 
to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a warning from Amos chapter 8. Amos 8, 11, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst of water, but of the hearing of the, uh, but hearing, but of hearing the words of the Lord. I should put my reading glasses on, but then I look up and everything's blurry. So I'm in a pickle here. Zoom in, okay. Some of you do not realize that you're living in a personal drought. I don't know how 2023 went for you. But as some of you reflect, we might realize, yeah, as bad as, you know, California gets hit with droughts, I think I've been living in a personal drought. And you, maybe you don't realize you need living water. Some of you are not ready to recognize that you were starved. You need the bread of life. And here's another warning. Just remember that we cannot appeal to the past. Guys, we cannot bank on a time long ago when, when your spiritual walk used to be vibrant, full of the word of God feeding into your soul. You can't depend on the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember I read the Bible once back 15 years ago. You can't do that as much as you can depend on last week's calories for your hunger today. Yeah, I ate a lot last week. No, but you're starved today. There's a picture that I still remember, and I don't know where I saw it. I think it was in a textbook back when I was in high school, I think. I don't remember. There's a picture of a girl struggling with anorexia. This is how serious it is. We don't joke about anorexia. In this picture, there was a girl looking into the mirror. In her reflection, what she saw in that mirror, she was very overweight. That is what she saw. But in reality, she was starved. And when I say starved, I mean she was skeletal. And how she viewed herself was not consistent with reality. And I want to use that stark picture to ask you to consider, are we in that same state with that point of view spiritually? We're going to have to reverse the picture, though. Where we look in the mirror and spiritually speaking, we think we're full. We think we're so full and fed with the nutrients and biblical calories we need simply because of the church that we attend, simply because of my membership at a Bible church. But in reality, spiritually speaking, it's self-starvation. The Lord God said to Ezekiel, 
Ezekiel 3.3. Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll, this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, Ezekiel said. And it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. We're not suggesting that you sustain yourself on a diet of cotton candy Christianity. When you think you can truly grow by sustaining yourself on verses that pop up on Instagram. Hey, I'm a sucker for those. I, I don't know what to do. I keep taking screenshots and, and I made a, an album. It's getting ridiculous. I don't even look back at them. There's so many. I realize you can like save posts. Well, what for? There's like pages and pages. I don't so. But that's not what sustains you. Okay, you know what those are, right? They, they show up on your, uh, your reels or whatever those call, are, are called. Guys, those are the in-between uh, uh, meal snacks, okay? Those aren't your, 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 your meals. The meals that you sustain your souls with. Guys, you need to load yourself up with the only sustenance suitable for God's children. Guys, you are not a gasoline engine. The believer is a diesel engine. Okay, there's no significance. I'm just saying one's wrong and one's right. I know most of you don't drive diesel engine cars, but pop quiz, what do you put in a diesel engine? Answer, not gasoline. It's diesel gas. What happens if you put gasoline in a diesel engine? Well, parts are going to break. It's not going to last very long. You're going to see black smoke and irreparable damage is likely to occur. May I ask you if this is you, spiritually speaking, if you feel like you're running on fumes, right? you know how that happens physically? Simple. You don't eat, you don't sleep, right? you don't rest, Exercise, let's throw exercise in there. Spiritually, it's when you don't feed yourself with the right spiritual food. I, I, I'm kind of on a roll here with using um, grave pictures, but it, I think it's important, and I think it's actually appropriate. Years ago, not that this was the only case, tragically, there was a vegan couple who had a baby. That vegan couple fed their infant soy milk and apple juice, and their baby died. You don't feed an infant soy milk. Neither do you feed a child of God the trash of this world. A child of God is to feed on the Word of God. That's what nourishes your soul. The pure spiritual milk, 1 Peter 2.2 by which you grow into salvation, right? That sanctification part, how does that happen? First Peter 2, 2 is telling you, it's by the word. Like newborn infants, First Peter 2, 2, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, right? Yes, we know you have been saved, you have been justified, but we also are, present tense, being saved, being sanctified, being made more like Christ. The Word of God is our delight. And it is to be our delight because by it we are able to see 
we're permitted to see, right? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? God's written word is the light that allows us to see God's eternal word, right? His son, Jesus Christ, who opens the eyes of the blind. And there's delight in that. There's joy in that. I guess you can tell from my uh, sermon illustrations the, the kinds of things I, I watch on the internet. <laughs> I just watch a lot of random stuff. Um, there was a video once of a, uh, a little baby, and his name was Leo, and he was four months old. And he had this rare disorder where he couldn't see. But they got these special glasses, this little four-month-old baby, you know, little, little, but nice and chubby little, little guy, four months old. He puts, they put the glasses on him, and he turns, And he sees his mother's face for the first time. And he's four months old. And he cracks open the biggest smile. See, that's what the word of God is like for the child of God. Or there's one of a baby who gets a hearing aid and then hears her her mama's voice for the first time. I mean, really little, this one. Right? You know, babies don't show a whole lot of emotion, not varied emotion. They just know how to scream. This little tiny baby, you can see her. She gets emotional. Seeing her, or hearing her mama's voice. You see, because the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Matthew Henry put it this way, the joy of the Lord will arm us against the assaults of our spiritual enemies and put our mouths out of taste for the pleasures with which the tempter baits his hooks. Guys, remember, as we walk with the Lord and as we live this life, The enemy wants to deceive you into thinking that all there is to life is you wake up in the morning, you knock out your nine to five, you pad up that portfolio, and you just wait till you're retired. Then you really get to live. That's the message of Satan. God, that's when I can really live for you. Let me let me let me get done with school and then I'll you know I'll get a job and then Hang on, Lord, just just hang tight. I'll get a job, but let me wait till I get really promoted. Hang, hang on, God, let me wait until I can start a family. Hang on, Lord, let me let me put a down payment on a house. Hang on, Lord, let me get a second property and I got to pad that portfolio. Now, Lord, I can start living for you. I can start to desire you and delight in you. Guys, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Guys, there are demonic powers, and we live among them. Therefore, God tells us in the word, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm, 
in verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, loved ones, what are you armed with? Are you armed with a Nerf sword? I'm not trying to make fun. Yeah, I, I, I know John 3.16. It's not just about knowing the word. Remember, the demons know the, the Bible front and back. Satan knows every word of Scripture. It's not just knowing it. It's loving it. It's obeying it. It's pursuing holiness. It's finding our delight in Christ. What are you armed with? And when you're tempted, when you're discouraged, when sin crouches at your door, when Satan tempts you to despair, do you throw your hands up in the air and give up the fight because the well of Scripture is all but dry? Might you be wielding a pocket knife on the battlefield? Or do you unsheathe the sharpest broadsword in the armory the living and active word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. Revisiting the issue of sin, remember, sin is ongoing. It's an ongoing struggle. We know Paul in Romans 7 said, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's why he follows up with verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. And then he quotes Psalm 40, verse 8, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. What is it you delight in? Where are your desires pointed? If you're prepared to be honest with yourself and with God your Savior. At whom or what is your heart aimed at? What do you rejoice in? What is your chief desire? Some of you guys know of the, the man Jim Elliott, a man who was singularly devoted to the Lord. He was one of five missionaries who were killed, murdered, attempting to evangelize an isolated people in Ecuador. He was so devoted to God that while growing up, the only degree he was seeking, he called it in his book, or in his letters and journals, AUG, approved unto God. Did he quit college? No. He went to college, but he knew he, who he was serving. He still studied, he still worked, but his devotion, his delight was in living his life in such a way that he was striving to have a heart attitude that delighted in God. And so singularly devoted was he to the delight in the Lord he told the girl who was very interested in Elizabeth, so I put you on the altar. Do you know what that means? He was telling this girl that he really likes and this girl really liked him. He was telling her, I'm willing to sacrifice you. He told her that if God would have him sacrifice this relationship, if it was in any way keeping him from delighting in the Lord, serving him wholeheartedly, he would sacrifice her. Try that line on a girl. Basically called her 
You know, Isaac, I'm, I'm, you're my sacrifice. I'll sacrifice you if, if God wants me to. Let's, let's go to another example. The Messiah. Isaiah 11 prophesies of the Messiah. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 11 verse 3 now. And his delight. This is the Messiah that's being prophesied here. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in his word. A couple words of caution. Both of them actually come from C.S. Lewis. That what we're after is not the pleasure itself, but we're after the source of the pleasure. Right? His example, a husband loving his wife. If his focus was the pleasure itself, that would not be love, but lust. But it's the person, his wife. For us, it's not, we're not seeking pleasure. Ultimately, we're seeking Christ himself. That's the pleasure. The Lord God. The other word of warning he had was on the issue of duty. Let me just skip to this part. He says, a perfect man would never act from a sense of duty. Right, but no one here is perfect, so we struggle. Right? Sometimes it feels like duty, doesn't it? Am I doing this out of obligation, out of duty? Yeah, sometimes. He said a perfect man would never act out of sense of duty. He'd always want the right thing more than the wrong one. For example, you know, oh, I got to spend time with the, in the Word. Right? And sometimes do we open up our Bibles out of a sense of duty? And what he, what C.S. Lewis explains, I thought was helpful, is duty is only a substitute for love. It's only a substitute like a crutch, which is a substitute for a leg. Most of us, we need the crutch at times. That's okay. You know, this morning, I don't feel like it. I just, I, I got to open up my word. I got to open it up. Okay? Was that out of a sense of, oh, Lord, I want to spend time with you? No, it's kind of sounded a little obligation-like, but that's okay. As a crutch for a time. What he said is that most of us uh, need the crutch at times, but of course, it's, I'm using this word here, I'm just quoting him, it's idiotic to use the crutch when our own legs, our own love, tastes, habits, can do the journey on their own. Right? And that's the goal, is to delight in the Word of God, to delight spending time with our Lord. So when you don't feel it, those times will come, we need to keep in mind passages like, 1 Timothy 4, 7, right? Discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. The ESV says, train yourself for godliness. Okay, so just because it's out of a, uh, out of a sense of duty for a short season doesn't mean we should, shouldn't do it. Um, if it's always out of duty, then you do need to examine your heart. Okay? Why is it you're doing what you're doing and why is, it, why is that always your heart motivation? Um, I... Personally, I think a lot of times it, it's when our motivations are too tied into man-centeredness, man's approval. That's when we start doing the duty thing. Okay? Uh, I can't get into that, but just ponder that and pray. When it comes to delighting in the Word, we're wrapping up here. 
Guys, it's an issue of palate. The palate of your heart. I've mentioned this before. Never have I ever met, met a group of people who were so, you know, has such expertise with the texture of boba. Like, mm, this is a good one. Like the texture, mm, this is soft. Ooh, this one, they cooked it too long. Wow, you guys are pros at like boba, right? You have a palate for that. Your heart's palate is something as well that you're, you're, you're accustomed to. And you can taste things. Right? They say, uh, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, food and such. Oh, if you like chips? No, no, you just like crunchy things. So just crunch on vegetables. No, no, I'm going to eat the chips. <laughs> the, the veggies don't do it for me. You see, uh, yeah, yeah, nine times out of nine, I'll grab the chips. Um, I don't have the right palate when it comes to food. Right? You put a plate of uh, bell peppers and carrots. Yeah, they're crunchy. I'm just going to eat the chips. <laughs> but when it comes to our hearts, when it comes to our delights, we do need to make some changes, don't we? We need to reacclimate our palate to what really is sweet. Not the artificial stuff. Not the fake, nasty grocery store frosting on the cake. Although they're, they're actually pretty good these days but I'm talking about the true sweet honey of God's word. You know, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And what was his response? He answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember, as Jeremiah said, your words were found and I ate them. You see that? He ate them and then your words became to me a joy, the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Guys, have you submitted? Do you submit yourself to the Lord of the word? And do you delight in the word of God? As I mentioned, as we wrap up this year and move on to the new year. Um, we're actually planning on continuing the Bible reading plan as a church. So here's our application. We're going to start the Old Testament. I know many of us have started Bible reading plans. Some of us have attempted the Bible in a year. Some of us have made it. Some of us have not. A lot of us, uh, sadly, uh, kind of like the weight loss resolution, it always ends around February. For weight loss, that's because uh, that's when uh, Girl Scout Cookies comes out. And for Bible reading, that's when you hit Exodus 20 and then it's it. Okay? Weight loss and Bible reading, it's over in February. And all of a sudden, the gyms are all clear again. Guys, we're going to take it slowly, just like we have been with the New Testament. A chapter a day, only on the weekdays, to give the weekends time for us to catch up. We're talking five chapters a week. So yes, it will take a while because the Old Testament is much longer. Matter of fact, it's going to take over three years. So if you're so inclined, right, and so we'll basically go from Genesis, this is 2024, Genesis through most of 1 Samuel. If you want to go ahead, please do so. Read through the New Testament plan again. If that's, uh, you want more, you want to take in more, do that. Uh, there are some visitors here. Uh, I can make this uh, available. 
uh, we had a spreadsheet because there was 260 chapters in the New Testament and there are 262 weekdays in a year. You just read a chapter a day, Monday through Friday, with the weekends to catch up and read through the New Testament. Okay? For some of us, I don't know if you remember this. Guys, we were in a member meeting once and I asked some of you guys, at least the half that was there, hey, raise your hand if you've read through the Bible in the last five years. There weren't a lot of hands. So just because we're taking long and going to take three and a half years to read through the Old Testament, okay, I want to urge you to do that together as a church. Why? Because, guys, how did the last five years go? Let's at least, in, in counting 2023, most of us just read through the New Testament. Let's go through the Old Testament together. Uh, I'll tell you, just personally, I read through the Psalms and the Proverbs. Whatever I'm reading, I, I also read the Psalms and the Proverbs once per year. Do whatever you want. Read the Word. Take it in. Okay? I, um, look, there, there, are, there are other churches out there. There are big churches. They've got great programs, great, solid Bible-teaching pastors. And I was talking to an elder at one of these awesome churches. He even has a radio program, the, the, the senior pastor. And I told him about what we were doing with the New Testament. You see, when you have a you know, three, 4,000-person church, you're not seeing a whole lot of churches say, come together and say, hey, let's read Scripture together. Let's go through all of it together. Okay? But this is what we're seeking to do. Yes, it seems like a long time. You know, three years from now, who knows what. But that's okay. Oh, new people, that's okay. Jump in. Let's keep reading it. Because my prayer is that this is not the first time, first and last time we do this but that we do this continually. Okay? I, I didn't have time to edit, so I'm just going <laughs> to... All right. But this is something that we can do together. I am pledging to read this with you. Uh, the plan is to have some material, some resources for each book of the Bible in the Old Testament that we start. Okay? Just like I did with the book of Revelation. You know how that book goes. So we'll give you some resources. Try to answer questions you might have. Now, it's not going to be that as in-depth, but again, hopefully you're going to read it again and again and again. And then you're going to read through, uh, you know, what it says of Abraham and it was counted to him uh, as righteousness, his faith was. And then you're going to get to Galatians again, like, whoa, he just quoted Genesis and he's applying that. And then you start putting everything together. Let's do this so that we can encourage each other, challenge each other, grow together. And guys, you know, we had started the um, uh, series on the book of Daniel. Um, and I was encouraged to hear that, that many people just were starting to get this, just that sense of the grandeur of God, of how big he is, what his sovereignty looks like, and how we apply that today. Guys, that doesn't happen from the New Testament alone. You get that from the Old Testament. If I can just share with you, I mean, you, you get through parts of the Old Testament and it is staggering. Like, I dare you. I dare you to read, I, I'm, I'm, this is going to sound random, I dare you to read Ezekiel 16 and not be stunned by the character of God. That chapter is insane. It's one of the craziest chapters in all the Bible, Ezekiel 16. I dare you to read it and not be stunned by the ending of just that chapter. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
as we had John read for us the scripture reading, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Guys, aren't we already so inundated by all the garbage in this world? I know I am. So much useless things. But let, let's let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And then we can come before God alongside the psalmist in Psalm 19 and ask him, Lord, with the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray together and prepare our hearts for communion.